This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Danny Bailey's throwing it back there on the, uh, well, we used to call them ones and twos, but they're not actually ones and twos anymore because it's all digital. But, you know, you get it. We'll call it that way anyway. Cause, you know, it sounds like insider talk. Like when people talk about A gaps and B gaps and don't ever explain it. So you just sound smart at football, I guess. Joining us to talk more about football to get us a little smarter on the high school scene is our friend Dan Mormon from ColoradoPreps.com. Dan Mormon uh, is the uh, social handle as well, M-O-H-R-M-A-N. And, Dan, thanks for joining us. Uh, your, um, I, he- I hesitate to even ask the number of miles this year that you have put on a variety of automobiles covering uh, high school sports this fall, but at least the football programs, all this all comes to an end on Saturday. Uh, the 5A championship, the 4A championship, the 3A championship. Before we dig into each of those, which is the one that intrigues you the most? Uh, actually, it's it's the 5A game. Yeah. As, as much as people think that it's a foregone conclusion that Cherry Creek is going to win a fifth straight title, um, this game intrigues me because they, it is genuinely the number one and number two uh, best teams in that classification. They both have played very well at times. They've both won really tight games at times. Um I know Columbine's signature win was a huge win early in the season over Arapahoe. Uh, Cherry Creek just last week in the semifinals overcame a very tough Ralston Valley team and their their quarterback, Logan Madden. So um, it, it was funny. I was actually at the, the small school championship games last week, and the, the chair of the Chassa football committee, Chris Knoll, he was down there, and he and I were chatting, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, Columbine wins this game. And at the time, we didn't even know it was going to be Columbine and Cherry Creek because Columbine had won on Friday. Saturday, Cherry Creek then falls behind the Ralston Valley. And I looked at him, and I'm like, do you think it's going to be Columbine because they're playing Ralston Valley? Or do you think it's, you know, Columbine, Cherry Creek? And we laughed about that. But um, he seems to think that it's Columbine year. A lot of people think that, you know, this this could be the year that the streak for uh, that Cherry Creek state championship streak ends. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but I'm just very intrigued to see how that plays out. Well, I'll tell you this. I was talking to someone this week who is uh, almost as knowledgeable about high school sports around here as you are, and particularly about football, and who has a vested interest in Cherry Creek. And he said specifically, that Columbine is not really a good matchup for Cherry Creek from Cherry Creek's point of view, that particularly when it comes to attacking the front seven of Cherry Creek's defense, Columbine can make things very, very interesting. Does that comport with what you're hearing? That it's a well, matchup I mean- deal, it's the two best high school football coaches in the state, long established, Lowry and Logan. And, you know, there's some ways that Columbine can hurt you on the ground, on the ground. Well, yeah. And I mean, you've got their, their two running backs, um, Josh Schneider, and Mason Moreno. They both, they've combined a rush for about uh, 27, 2,800 yards. I don't know what that number is right off the top of my head, Sandy, but um, you know, anytime you have two backs that, that can produce that kind of yardage on the ground. It does two things that can really scare a team like a Cherry Creek. One, 
you just control time of possession, which at this point in the season, if you can control the ball most and, and you're playing and everyone at this point of the season is a good football team, that's vital. And by controlling time of possession, you shorten the game. And if Creek doesn't get the number of offensive possessions that they're used to getting, um, you know, that can cause a lot of problems. People forget that as, as talented as he is, Cherry Creek quarterback Brady, uh, Brady Bodica is a sophomore. Yeah. And this is not, even though they're undefeated, I wouldn't say this is the most dominant Cherry Creek team that I've seen in this right. five-year stretch. Right. Far That's from it. the consensus that I'm getting to. And, and, and I'm not saying they're not talented. I think they are incredibly talented. Of course. But, but when you have a guy who's still, you know, this kid might not even have his driver's license at this point of the year, you know? And, and, and I'll tell you what, he, he looks the part. I, I, I was walking into the press conference at Canvas Stadium on Tuesday, and I walk, and I got there around the same time as the Cherry Creek players. And, I, and he's, a big, he's a big, strong, good-looking football player. But when you get him involved with other top-line talent in 5A, he's still very, very young, and he still probably has a lot to learn from the quarterbacking standpoint. The other thing that um, I would be concerned about if I was Cherry Creek, they, ha- they do have some, beat, uh, some players that are beat up on that offensive line. A.J. Burton, that left tackle, is one of the guys that jumps out at me. He's a, he's a USC commit. He's got a shoulder injury that's going to acquire some some medical attention at the end of the year, and he's just going to play through it. And when you're dealing with the stout linemen that Columbine tends to get on both sides of the ball, that can cause a problem as well. Going into the uh, the, the second game, that these the the five and the four will be up at CSU's at Campus Stadium uh, on the campus there, and uh, the Class Four A Palmer Ridge unbeaten versus number two Erie. They're twelve and one, but you have uh, teams again that. Nobody's really a, a shock here when you're talking about these two in the finals. Uh, I, I would actually disagree with that. Yeah. John. I think Lutheran being there is a, a major shock because um, Green Mountain has been the best 3A football team all year. And Oh, yeah, and, and, and the, the 3A one for sure. In the, in, I'm sorry, in the 4A one, the Palmer Ridge and Erie one, that those are those are kind of the, the fits, oh. but... But right. Yeah, and if, yeah. if, there, if, there, if there was one team that was uh, – sorry, I was probably just jumping ahead of you there. If there was one team that really had a chance to spoil it either way, it was going to be Montrose. And uh, Erie had the benefit of playing that game at home. They got that benefit because they beat Montrose in Montrose during the regular season. So when you have that advantage, when you have Montrose having to make that long bus ride when the weather was bad over Vail Pass, and I'm not I'm not giving anyone any excuses. No, no, no. I, but we've we've all made that trip. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. But but uh, you know the Erie winning that game, they've earned the right to be there. So uh, I, I thought Palmer Ridge's side of the bracket was very favorable. I really didn't see anyone get, that was going to trip them up. But uh, uh, Erie was the one that really had the toughest challenge to overcome. They overcame it. And in a weird way, I think that sets up really well for them because I, I think they're more battle tested going into this game. And Blake Barnett might be the best quarterback in the state. Uh, he's a Kansas State commit. 
and he's he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and he plays with a little bit of swagger. And I'm Derek Hester at, at Palmer Ridge is the same way, but Barnett's been in a state title game. He's been one play shy of going to two state title games. This is, you know, the script, the Hollywood script says this is the year he puts it all together. I want to ask you kind of a general question that can pertain to any or all of the classifications. Uh, you've been covering uh, these schools for many, many years. Uh, does the quality of play seem to be improving? And if so, how much? Um, that That's a little bit of a tricky question. And you almost have to go back to, to Valor Christian's run yes. of, of, of their state championship. And before that, it was even when Dave Logan was at Mullen, right? right. Of course. Um, of course. There's kind of that that attitude that when one program gets so much uh, gets head and shoulders above everyone, that it's almost easier to try and catch up than than wait for them to fall back. And so, in my mind, it, the 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 level of play does elevate a little bit when you have um, when you have programs like. What Columbine is just going to produce, they're going to produce college linemen on a regular basis. Of course. Yes, and, absolutely. And their, their skill players are the ones that get the benefit of it. And they're always going to be sustained. But when you get like a Ralston Valley who has a Logan Madden, uh, I'm thinking years back now, like a Dewey Wingard who went up to Wyoming and is now in the NFL. Yeah. You're getting this influx and you're getting these guys that understand that you see a school like Cherry Creek right now on this run that they have, and they know that they have to catch up. It's not, you know, they only have four years. It's not good enough to wait for the year for Cherry Creek to call, fall back. They have to move forward. It's It's been the same way in 4A. 4A, there's been a little bit more parity over the last yeah. few years. We saw Broomfield, um, uh, Broomfield last year. Oh, geez, the 2021 champion is, is kind of eluding me right now. Um, that, oh, that would have been Chatfield right before they moved back up to 5A and then yeah. Loveland the year before. Mm-hmm. So right there you're seeing a lot of schools taking advantage of the talent that they're getting. Um, 3A's been the same way. 2A has been fun because the Eaton class that rattled off three state titles, that, that group of athletes that went through that school was just unbelievably talented. And you're seeing uh, with Delta their state championship win last week you know they're they're kind of getting their athletes in there and and doing the same thing that Erie was or that Eaton was able to do for three years. So I, I do think that the overall level of talent is increasing, and it's just simply a matter of you've got to catch up to the guy in front of you. Well, let's we're talking with Dan Mormon of of ColoradoPreps dot com, and and you always want to check out Colorado Preps for all the coverage, not just football, by the way. Every Colorado high school sport and uh, keep on top of it. It's, it won't be all that long until the spring sports roll around, too. But yeah, you, you jumped ahead of it because Jeez, it is. Why are you putting that evil on me right now, Sean? <laughs> I don't know. You know, you just wanted to break with before the even <laughs> get the, the championships this weekend. But let's go to the one that you were excited about because Holy Family and Lutheran, that's taking place down at CSU Pueblo uh, in the Thunderbolt there. That is, is an interesting matchup because that's a number two versus a number five. And as you pointed out, Lutheran has been on one of the bigger runs of the entire football season. They're playing their best football at the time they need to play it. And that's, that was evident last week when they, they had to battle from behind to beat um, a, the team that I regarded as the best 3A team in the state. I usually talk, I talk every couple of weeks with uh, Ryan Goddard. He's the football coach down at Pueblo South. They 
the Colts took in just a thrashing from Green Mountain earlier this year. And Coach Goddard basically looked at me and said, no one's beating them. Well, now someone's beat them. And they beat them to, to go to a state championship game. So if you're going to talk about a team that's entering uh, on the ultimate of highs, it would be Lutheran. You cannot forget the fact, however, that Holy Family has a win over Lutheran already this season. And you go back to October 6th, that's a 35 to 28 win. This could be, this could be the closest. This could be the most exciting championship game this weekend. And uh, in a year, this will be a game that will also be up at Canvas Stadium when, when that contract, when the 3A contract at CSUP runs out. So it'll be even more exciting to have that kind of atmosphere there next year. But this is one that um, these are two very talented teams. They have athletes on both sides of the ball, and they've already played once this year. And you know the old adage that it's tough to beat a team twice in a season. So we'll see if Lutheran can, can utilize that hot streak that they're on. Speaking of Canvas Stadium, Sonny Lubick Field. Better site for high school football and these championship games will be played there, or is that still hard to discern? Uh I, I think it's very hard to discern. I think what people need to understand, and, and um, I've, I've had many conversations with uh, Chassa football commissioner, John Sullivan, about this. What they're trying to do is provide the kids with a unique experience. And they think there's no better atmosphere from a, a football standpoint than on a college campus. I don't know if I disagree with that or not. I'm very curious to see how this all plays out this weekend. Um, I think this has the potential to be something special. And I think if we, if everyone had, you know, I, I've got my own perfect world view. If no team had to deal with financial issues or any of that, how you could really turn this into a, a fantastic experience for the kids. But um, I know there is some hesitation with the teams of, of this game, leaving the Denver area and of leaving mile high. Um I did talk to one of the coaches. Or I, I talked to all four of the 5A and 4A coaches after the main press session yesterday, and one of them pointed out to me that, you know, they, they believe that playing on the same field as the Denver Broncos is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for a lot of these kids. Now, if you're Cherry Creek, it's a four-time-in-a-lifetime experience. <laughs> but, we do this every year. Um, but, uh, but it's something that, you know, when you think of the highest level of football in the state of Colorado – it is the Denver Broncos. We we would love to sit there and say it's you know what's happening in Boulder with Coach Prime or um, Colorado State, and I know just how much the the football fans up there really want that program to be to, to get back to those Sunny Lubick days. But at the at the same time, I I, I don't know. I, I I understand what they're trying to do. It's just I need to see it for the first time. So I'm I'm in a wait and see mode. This is a multi-year deal, and I think regardless of what happens this year, there's always ways that you can um, just tweak, you know, manipulate so that the experience is overall better. And the one argument I really don't like from any team, regardless of classification, is the travel aspect. The, the Denver teams, their longest bus rides during the year are typically about 20 to 25 minutes. Um a ton of teams travel hours to get to where they need to be. So I don't think going up by 25 is that big a deal. 
Well, if you aren't able to get to the games, you will be able to watch them, by the way. Both at least the 4A and 5A championships will be on altitude. The 4A game starts uh, at 1130. They'll have a pregame starting at 11 o'clock. And, of course, uh, after that one, uh, roughly 3 o'clock, the uh, 5A final between the Cherry Creek and Columbine will kick off. And you can catch those on altitude television as well. He is Dan Mormon uh, from ColoradoPreps.com. Like I said, give Dan a follow. Uh, travel advice, uh, like J- our Jack Kerouac right here if, uh, on, on My Life Sports. We get to get a chance to talk to Dan. But Dan Mormon is the follow on social as well. M-O-H-R-M-A-N-N. Uh, Dan, uh, it's, it's the culmination of at least, uh, well, this couple months for the next couple months. Get going. So uh, enjoy it, and thanks for the primer on all of these games. You bet, guys. And be sure to check out Colorado Preps for game preview. And Kevin Schaefer had a great podcast. Uh, with with all the coaches that we published today. So that if that doesn't get everyone excited for the games, I don't know what will at this point, but uh, I'm excited for Saturday. Yep, give it a peek. And by the way, there's an app, brand new app too, Colorado Preps app. You can go get that and take a look at it as well. All of it right in your pocket. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks, guys. All right, it is, you know, it's, look, it's still football season. And, and uh, we, we talked about that big old stadium they used to play at. Well, you can win the trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game, and they'll also give you two tickets for the game and a three-night hotel stay. Uh, that would be a quality vacation. All you have to do is place your $25 single-day parlay between now and January 7th, and then you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, it's probably uh, premature to presume that the... Uh, Denver Broncos are going to end up in the Super Bowl, but there's no reason uh, to not keep playing for it. And they have a tremendous opportunity to put themselves in remarkable position with a win over the Texans, but this is going to be no easy task. C.J. Stroud is off to a remarkable start. We'll look at what the Broncos are facing next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy, C.J. Stroud is doing something very, very special as a rookie. He's not looking like a rookie. He's not playing like the rookie. The Texans at 6-5 and five in playoff position, better than I think anyone expected them to be with a rookie quarterback and a first-time head coach. And a lot of it is the pairing of these two guys. So for the Broncos who have toppled Patrick Mahomes during the streak, toppled Josh Allen during the streak, at a certain point you look at it and go, well, C.J. Stroud's good, but he's not those guys. But what have you seen out of Stroud that those two guys might not have been able to prepare the Broncos for? Well, uh, I see out of Stroud a fearlessness and yet uh, supreme efficiency. We talked earlier about the touchdown to interception ratio at 19 to 5. As good as anybody not named Russell the, Wilson. The only statistical area in which he is not among the top five or six quarterbacks seemingly in the NFL is completion percentage. And that's probably the least important uh, stat if you're talking about uh, yards per pass, you're talking about touchdown to interception ratio, 
uh, even talking about uh, percentage of times getting sacked. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Wilson, though more mobile than Craig Morton in 77, uh, still is taking sacks rather than throwing the ball up for grabs. So the philosophy is not much different. Uh, C.J. Stroud <laughs> is is a pretty hard guy to sack uh, when you you look at the numbers oh, by comparison size, with almost strength, any mobility. Absolutely, and he is a smart quarterback, uh, and not a smart quarterback for a rookie. Just a smart quarterback, yeah. and he, he's clearly been well coached. The temperament, uh, ideal. I think D'Amico Ryans brings a lot of that with him as the head coach. I think the coaching staff is like that. And they, they're not riding the kind of wave the Broncos are at the moment. And maybe they're a year away. Or even two years away. But they're a dangerous opponent on their home field. How they fare down the stretch on the road will be interesting to watch, but for the Bronco purposes this week, they're getting what the Houston Texans put out on their home field, and what the Houston Texans put out on their home field makes them a very dangerous team. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like about what they've done. I mean, you, you can look at the offensive numbers across the board. You know, They are top 10 in net yards per game, oh, yards yeah. per play, points per game, net yards passing, interceptions, giveaways. Third down conversion. They're top yeah. 10 in the league in all of those right. things offensively. And I think they've really gotten onto something in the last few weeks uh, when Damian Pierce got hurt and then they go to Devin Singletary a little yes. bit more. And now I think Singletary's added an explosiveness to their game that, from the running game that they didn't necessarily have. Obviously, you, you've paid attention to Burnett. We haven't even brought up Tank Dell, who's one of the better yeah, receivers as a, as a rookie as well. As a rookie. And uh, it's easy to overlook him because there's Nico Collins over there with five touchdowns and 800 receiving yards <laughs> yeah. of his own. So they have a lot of weapons, and I think and it's kind they of, were less dangerous until Singletary started taking the, that role. And now I think with Singletary there, they're, they're a more diverse and offense. And I'm not saying there's a defensive comparison, but on offense, when I look at the Houston Texans, I can tell that D'Amico Ryans was a coach in San Francisco. You know, he was a defensive coach, but I see offensive similarities. Uh, the 49ers are more seasoned, more talented, but schematically, there's some similarities. Yeah, I and, agree with that. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy and C.J. Stroud are one and two in the league in yards per pass attempt. Purdy's over nine. Right. Stroud's at 8.4, and 8.4, that's, that's Joe Montana. Again, territory. rookie. A rookie. I mean, you're talking about just crazy stuff. So, I mean, I think the Broncos are, because they've beaten the, the Bills and the Chiefs in this, I mean, I think that, that this is going to be a very good matchup, but it's absolutely not going to be a walkover. And it wouldn't shock me if Stroud put up better numbers against the Broncos than either Mahomes or Allen did over the course of this run. In fact, I, I would say at this point, I actually expect it. I think you're going to get a better performance out of C.J. Stroud mm -hmm. than you saw out of those other two guys. Now, the, I think the Broncos' defense can be up for it, and I think we talked about their offense earlier in the program. What the Texans don't do well at this point defensively is they don't get after the quarterback very well. The, they have sacks, uh, they're in the bottom 10 in the league in sacks, and in takeaways, they're in right in the middle with 15 in total. So they don't get after the quarterback, and they don't take the ball away. Well, Russell Wilson isn't throwing interceptions. He is fumbling. Broncos actually as a whole are fumbling. They have 10 fumbles this year that they've lost. But this isn't a team that gets after the quarterback. Right. So 
what the Broncos are doing offensively and, and the, the risks, and you look at what could go haywire for them, the Texans, at least this season, have don't look particularly adept at forcing those kind of mistakes. So looking at the matchup now, I kind I like it for the Broncos. I don't love it for the Broncos, but I like it because I think they have a better opportunity to perform offensively than we've seen in most games because they just happen, it happens to be a good matchup defensively for them. We'll give our thoughts on how the game will turn out tomorrow. But I'm with you. I like the Broncos. I don't love them in this game. Uh, I'm somewhere between like and love with respect to the point spread uh, because I think three and a half is high. I do too. Um, I'm not sure why it's quite that high. Um, If it were two and a half, it would make more sense to me. But again, I'm not an odds maker, so (laughs) it may prove out to be uh, exactly uh, the right spread, but I, I like the Broncos chances in this game straight up. Uh, don't love them. Uh, three games straight on the road at this time of year is a real challenge and for better or for worse, uh, they're not going to have Kareem Jackson in any of these games. Now, so no. far, they're 3-0 and without Kareem Jackson, right. so it hasn't bothered them to play without Kareem Jackson, but the the thing that makes the schedule for the Broncos compared to other contending teams for the AFC playoffs a little bit problematic is the fact that you got in the next three weeks C.J. Stroud, Justin Herbert, Jared Goff have all been top ten quarterbacks in the mm-hmm. NFL this year. And I don't know if all three of them are top five, but they're definitely all three top ten quarterbacks this year in the league. Now, uh, do they get a break when they play the Raiders? Yes. Do they get a break when they play the Patriots? Uh, whether it's Sappy or Jones? Uh, yes. Matter. Of course they do. But yeah. the other games, four out of the six, they're facing formidable quarterback opposition. Even if the teams aren't. But they have been Great. facing pretty formidable quarterback op- opposition of late as well. Yeah, uh, but not in the last two games they have. No. And they're playing That's backup fair. quarterbacks. Correct. And, and, or even third-string quarterbacks. By the way, I, mean, the- I, I don't know what happened with P.J. Walker in Cleveland. I thought when he played, he was almost always as good as Deshaun Watson was. I mean, Deshaun Watson's best one Word or two out of games. Cleveland now is that Joe Flacco Walker. may start but this But that's weekend. my point. Joe what, Flacco. What did B.J. Walker do to make him, first of all, sit behind... Thompson uh, Robinson. Thompson Robinson, DTR. And then, even when Walker gets in the game last week, when Thompson Robinson gets hurt, they show Flacco on the sidelines and say, well... Uh, He's concussed, which it, it turns out uh, he had been. Well, it's going to be Joe Flacco next week. It like, might oh, have oh, been. Wait a minute. What did P.J. Walker it do? It might have been taking so bad. four sacks on 13 dropbacks. Uh, how many do you think Joe Flacco is going to take? More. Yeah, because he's not mobile at all. A marble statue. And Joe Flacco doesn't know that offense. And I, I, I had to laugh. Um, the announcers who... We'll, we'll never say anything different on, the, on these matters. Joe Flacco, when he was here, was famously quoted 
and I didn't even disagree with him on this, as saying, I'm not here to mentor younger quarterbacks. We've got coaches for that. That's fair. I didn't have a beef with that. the announcers, almost as a reflex reaction, start talking about how Joe Flacco's been great mentoring DTR and P.J. Walker. He doesn't mentor. And I'm like, he's on record over the years consistently saying, that's not my deal. I'm here to play. I'm not here to coach. We have coaches for the quarterbacks. And he's not wrong in saying And he's that. not wrong. No, I'm not I'm That's not putting him down for saying right. it, but I'm saying it's such a reflex response. Whenever you see an older quarterback, quarterback yeah. oh, he must be a mentor for the younger quarterbacks. No, he's not, and he doesn't know the offense as well as they do. Cuz they've been around Cleveland longer. And I and, you know, Joe Flacco's a smart guy. I'm sure he can pick up the rudimentary aspects of it, but He's no world beater. Not at this day. Joe Flacco, uh, to be fair, was always a better postseason quarterback than he was a regular yeah. season quarterback. Almost always. And yet, in spite of that, I would say that Joe Flacco made out for his career on one great game that happened to come against the Denver Broncos in the divisional round of the playoffs that followed the 2012 season. Uh, An overtime win, I believe 38-35 was the final in overtime uh, for the Baltimore Ravens that day. And they were behind almost the whole game, and it kept coming back, and Flacco was great. Of course, the Flacco fling, uh, better pass than ever threw as a Bronco, uh, one of the great postseason throws in the history of the national yeah, the football freezing league. weather and you're right. no, no yeah. doubt no doubt under a brutal conditions but he has as they say dined out on that one game for years and i can't believe honestly that he will be starting against the rams but apparently he will be and there are three games of interest to the broncos apart from their own yep india tennessee yes which is essentially a pick em game then you have Arizona at Pittsburgh. Now, I think Pittsburgh will win the game. But that's an important game. I think Were five and a half points is a lot of points. And, I th- you know, if you're asking which quarterback of the two is better, uh, it, would you take Kyler Murray or Kenny Pickett? I might take Kyler Murray. Now, I think Pittsburgh is going to win the game, but I don't think it's going to be a walkover. And then you have Cleveland at the Rams, and the Rams are favored by the same number that Houston's favored yep. over Denver by, three yep. and a half points. That's and I, the beauty of this. If you're the Broncos, if, if the Rams and Titans, and the Titans are one-point underdogs, if the Rams and Titans were to both win and the Broncos win, just that th- three results, the Broncos hop three teams. Yeah. Three. And they're, they're right. And yeah, Listen, the Broncos aren't going to win the division, so they're not going to finish no. first, second, third, or fourth. But fifth place, sixth place, seventh place, all three are in play. Now, if they lose Sunday, uh, it'll be a struggle. Yeah, because they'll all it, it, they might be able to lose to Detroit, but they'd have to win every AFC game at the else. very least. They'd have to win every AFC game from here on out because they'd be three and five in the conference, and that won't help them in tiebreakers. Congratulations, by win, the way, to great uh, potential close games. Will Lutz named the special teams player of the month. In the AFC, yes. being a perfect uh, and, and deservedly a so. perfect eleven for eleven uh, on well, field goals. Uh, it was the one well. he missed, but there were extra, twelve men on the field. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That would didn't <laughs> and count. extra points were were uh, he missed. And he one. did miss an extra point. And then the other one that they missed in that Buffalo game was uh, a snap that didn't seem to be all that bad. That 
Riley Dixon, who has not exactly been an all-pro this year as a punter yeah, or as may, a holder, he may he not drop the ball. Get the special teams player of the month award. But Will Lutz I, does. I don't think so. The uh, first uh, Bronco Will kicker Lutz, since Brandon McManus since no. in the October 2015 is the uh, the last wow. kicker to is get. Is that it. true? Yeah, eight years. Huh? Eight years between McManus was October 2015. That's winning. the last time the Bronco Bronco kicker has won special, special teams, teams player of the month. month. It's been that long. And uh, well, Broncos special teams play has not been glorious, no, by and large over the last seven or eight years, right? And uh, so it, it, it's been a while, but you know, Lutz on the year 24 of 26, it's a 92.3 uh, percent, oddly higher success rate at field goals than extra points. In which uh, he is at 90, isn't that bizarre? He's 18 to 20. Well, I was gonna, I, I thought you were gonna say he has uh. A better field goal percentage, because I think this is true, than the Baltimore guy, who's considered the greatest player oh, yeah, in the history of the Tucker, world. Yeah, of course, they also you know, put Tucker out there to shoot from 70. But he <laughs> he missed from under 50 recently, I think. Yeah, was it the no, Chargers he, game? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's looked human. He's, he's looked like maybe the year's catching up a little bit. He, he misses now kicks that he never used to miss. Yeah, it's not going to stop him from making the Hall of Fame. Oh, of course not. He's the greatest place kicker <laughs> in, in, the history, in the history of the league. But congratulations to Will Lutz as well. The Broncos uh, have uh, the most important regular season game in seven seasons this Sunday. I don't even think it's all that close. I mean, I, I think no, th- this is the, the biggest, most impactful, important game they've had. You know, I, and I think we're saying this before the game. I think looking back when the Broncos are 7-3 and three in 2016, after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. uh, coming off a bye, they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs here, and I've talked about this. They had an eight-point lead with three minutes to go. Uh, Chiefs forced overtime. Broncos took a lead uh, with a field going overtime. Chiefs had a chance to match it, did. Uh, Gary Kubiak tried a long one, uh, reminiscent of Nathaniel Hackett's uh, running McManus out there on opening night last year in Seattle for a one that he couldn't make. He didn't make it against Kansas City. Kansas City comes down and kicks the game-winning field goal with great field position, and the Broncos and the Chiefs went in entirely different directions from that point on until the Broncos beat the Chiefs um, in late October. And, of course, now I I think you look at this game as being – I mean, that game was big. That that was the last – the Broncos and the Chiefs were the two uh, top teams in the AFC West coming off the Broncos Super Bowl in 2015. And, and that was a big game. Uh, at the very least, this is the biggest game since then, coming almost exactly seven years later. How about that? We'll have a chance to break it down as well tomorrow with uh, Fox 31's Mick Miller, who will join us to talk about it. But the Colorado Avalanche back in action tonight. They will be playing those uh, pesky Coyotes. They are on a roll, however, the Avalanche are looking really good. We'll take a look at that game when we come back at Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Colorado Avalanche get back at it tonight with the, uh, I like to say pesky, because they are sort of pesky, the Arizona Coyotes at Mullet Arena. They sort they, of happen for the Avs. Yeah, for the Avs. Yeah. For whatever reason. It's, and it's, now they're a better team. Uh, yes, they are better. Of course, the Avs look to be better as well. Four-game win streak that they're on right now, but Arizona is 10-9-2. and 
two. Yep. The problem is um, they take a lot of penalties. 104 penalties, third in the NHL, five per game. If the Avalanche power play is on point, they're going to cruise tonight. They should. Uh, <laughs> they're playing in Mullet Arena, which is a great college hockey building. Arizona State plays there. DU played there just a few weeks ago and had trouble uh, with Arizona State. Um, they've been, yes, pesky is exactly the right term. They've been one of those teams, not great, but, you know, sometimes the top teams have trouble with a particular team. It can be hard. And it sometimes, sometimes a team that plays it, out of the same division hard that sees you a lot, isn't yeah. afraid of you. you. You don't get up for them. You're right. Uh, and Arizona in this division seems to be kind of that team uh, for the Avalanche who do pretty well now against Chicago, uh, increasingly against the Wild, who the, the Avalanche, the, the game with the Wild represented the last yeah. game of Dean Epperson as uh, the coach of the Minnesota Wild. He was fired uh, the next day. The last comments made by Dean Epperson were whining about Kale McCarr diving. It all go down in history as the final comments he made officially as head <laughs> coach. And, uh, whining, Dean Epperson uh, complaining that Dale, uh, Kale McCarr was diving. Yeah, that's uh, flopping. I'll tell you what, if Kale McCarr's uh, if Kale McCarr's diving on the ice, he can't hurt you there. That's probably the way you well, want that's him. That's why I'd, I'd want him doing <laughs> You'd that. You'd be happier yeah. if he was doing uh, that. But yes, uh, <laughs> Arizona's a good team. I, 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 the Mullet Arena is not an NHL arena. I, I don't. It, Gary Bettman has this weird obsession with keeping them in in that area, and I know it's a big market. I, I know why he's doing it. I don't understand yeah, why he's quite at, so Atlanta obsessive about it. Atlanta is too, and and when it didn't really work out, they just kind of let him go. You know, right. Atlanta had the but Thrashers and they went to Phoenix go to Winnipeg. And like, he yeah. wanted, hey, for some I, reason, I, you know, they just, Mark they don't Mosher care. and I, years and years ago, uh, were friendly with Bob Hartley, and we were uh, down in Atlanta late in the year uh, for the uh, Final Four, mm-hmm. the NCAA basketball tournament, and Bob Hartley knew we were coming and invited us to come what turned out to be uh, a game-clinching, playoff-clinching game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we had a great time. It was a packed house. The, the fans were great. And within two years, hockey wasn't viable in Atlanta for a second time. Not for the first time, for the second time. Right. Remember, the Atlanta the Flames Atlanta were there. Flames. And the Atlanta Flames thought they had it made when after the 1980 Miracle on Ice game, they signed Jim Craig, the famous goaltender, from the Miracle on Ice game. And they thought Jim Craig would save hockey in Atlanta. The market just doesn't particularly care Jim, that much. Jim Craig was a very good college goaltender who had a great game on the biggest stage possible and was not a major league goaltender. And so the Flames left Atlanta shortly thereafter. Uh, it was determined that Craig wasn't going to save hockey in Atlanta. And then the, the Thrashers left. And, they were, you know, nobody spent much time. Well, they weren't being saddened yeah, over the departure lamented. of those Atlanta was, teams. Yeah. They were, they were largely way, like, eh. unlamented. Uh, oh, well. So, uh, no, well, I mean, we didn't the Phoenix watch thing anyway. is weird, but, uh, you know, a place like that, I guess, can be, it's a different sort of atmosphere and certainly more intimate. And they do and, have some goal scorers. Uh, Lawson Krause has they, 10 goals on the year. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're a Sharkoni dangerous has, uh, has kind of nine. Team. Clayton Keller has eight. Clayton Keller seems to play big against the Avs. Uh, Nick Schmaltz does as yeah. well. You know, he's yeah. got five. A guy like Bugstad has been a problem for them. Uh, you really can't take them for granted, but this is one of those games I sort of like for the avalanche that I look at as a small, it's it's not an important measuring stick, but it's the idea that, look, if you're the team you think you are in the abs, and you're, you're one of the top echelon Stanley Cup contenders, you should walk in and roll these guys tonight. Um, 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think on this three-game road trip, if there's going to be an easy game, it might be in Anaheim because after a good start, the Ducks have slumped off. Um, the Kings uh, lost their most recent game, but since opening night, they were the hottest team in the league. Um, they only lost two games until the other night they got beat. What are you curious but, about but, in this one, Sandy, too? I mean, I, I'm curious to see if Valerian Nishushkin can keep it going. I suspect yeah, he sure. can because I think adding sure. him to that line I want to see Nishushkin. Uh, I want to see Druan on that second line. Yep. Uh, Joe Hansen's been great. Um, I want to see if the bottom six uh, can contribute a, a little bit and offensively. who they are sometimes as well, uh, yeah. Yeah, but he's he's actually, and since O'Connor came back from injury, uh, he's kept those lines more or less together. And I, I would say throughout the season, yes, uh, Kiviranta is playing now. Uh, earlier in the season, he, of course, he wasn't. I think he's played reasonably well. Olofsson and Cogliano, when healthy, have been constants on that fourth line. Um, the Avalanche are winning with penalty killing, I think, yeah. in, in many ways. And the uh, better goaltending and penalty killing. And the two tie together because, you know, the phrase, your best penalty killer is often your, your goaltender, goaltender if you have a good penalty kill. Right. And if you don't, eh, your goaltender is probably part of that problem. Anyway, maybe just a part of it, but a part of it nonetheless. So those are the areas I'm looking at. And, of course, the power play for the reasons that you just and the ad still just kind of it, it's still stuck it's not in been neutral. Great. It's not been great. Nineteen point eight percent. It is in the yeah. middle. They mushy should be. Part of the league. They should be around 25 percent. Sure feels like it, doesn't it? Uh, but you're absolutely right when you're talking about the PK fourth in the league and the penalty kill at eighty eight percent rate. I mean, absolutely uh, outstanding penalty kill. But yeah, the power play feels like it should get moving, and they're going to have an opportunity tonight uh, to get a couple goals there. So I think for the Avalanche. That's the part I want to see. I'd like to see that power play start clicking. It's It's been a constant source of confusion at times because, and not just this season, last season as well, it, it's a team that when you look at the individual talents on the skating side, the ability to score the way they have, especially from the blue line when you have guys that can contribute, like Makar, of course, who's the best in the league, but Taves, uh, we know that Bo Byram can chip in. There, there's plenty of scoring to go around. The Avs should be one of the best five teams in the power play, and they just haven't, for whatever reason, been able to That's get strange. it to click. Remember not, last not year was the other way around. Power play was fine. Well, then you couldn't penalty kill. Killing. Penalty, you couldn't kill and if you're actually going to ask me which one I'd rather have, I'd rather have the penalty kill. Yeah, I would too. In the playoffs, that's the one you need yeah. more than the power yeah, play. I, I think so. But, I think so. Although last year in the playoffs, good penalty killing, which the Avs had pretty much throughout the seven games, wasn't enough. As one. Doing much scoring. But the Az are 18 in, any in power play percentage, and they fashion. should be nowhere near that. No, no, that's right. On and talent alone, it just it should be it should be in the top ten. They should be twice as high up as they are. Listen, you go to the fundamentals in a game like this, where where you have the better team. You go to the fundamentals in, in, on a trip like this and games like this. It, you go to winning the puck battles, the 50-50 puck battles. You go to finishing plays. You go to faceoffs. You go faceoffs probably least important, uh, but defending in your own end. Right. Don't make silly, sloppy mistakes, which of late That's on the road, up. the Avalanche have been making they, more, well, they, more they, than they should. They had been. You're on right. the road. On, on the, the road. road. Not at home. In, in the most home. recent run, they've tightened it up a little bit in general. But, yes, you're right. Uh, a lot of the, many of the Avs' defeats this year have come on the fact they have had turnovers in the yeah. offensive yes. zone. Yes. Being a little yes. careless, being a little cocky. 
And, and that's obviously the kind of problem that can also manifest during the power play. Sometimes you can get too cute. You can worry too much about making the perfect shot. You can get a little... Yeah. Uh, they, they have so many gifted passers. Remember, Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon are in the top nine in the league, and, and Miko Rant is just outside there at number 12. It, it, there is temptation to have that perfect tic-tac-toe pass. You know, end it with a one-timer because you're good enough to do it. But that's the equivalent of, you know, you have a, a layup on a breakaway in a basketball game and you decide to pull a 360 dunk because you can. That's cool, and it, it, it certainly can even have an impact on the game. It can be demoralizing to the other team. But the Avs have a tendency at times of getting a little too cute on the power play. They need to just go ahead. Look, you have a shot. Take it and, and crash the net. Three-game road trip and four nights. So there's a little bit of a test there. You want this to be an easy game. Yeah, you want to get so you this don't have to you. play your top line 24, 25 minutes, and you don't want to play McCarr and Taves. Yeah, the schedule gets compressed. Minutes. This is amazingly the last day of November. Uh, no, December yeah. is upon us. And by the time we get to December 9th, between now and December 9th, folks, that's 10 days. The Avs have six games. It is going to be a compressed part of the schedule for them that they have to find a way to get ready to, to go with a lot of it. By the way, these first three on the road, we'll find out a little bit. It's games the Avs, you know, are they're the better team. But, hey, better team doesn't always win the games. We'll find out what the Avalanche are made of and whether they have a tendency of dropping back into some of those bad habits that caused Jared Bednar to call them out before their current streak. So they will play tonight. That game starts at 7, and we'll get back to uh, talking about that tomorrow as well. We'll definitely touch upon it, even though we'll go pretty Broncos heavy with the biggest game, as we pointed out, in seven years coming up on the schedule. Thanks to Dan Mormon for joining us, breaking down the high school championship games this weekend from coloradopreps.com. Make sure you check out coloradopreps.com. Download their uh, free Colorado Preps app, too. Great stuff on there and uh, podcast content, audio content, too. So if you're into high school sports and you don't have Colorado Preps, well, that's on you because I just told you. So now it's your fault. If you didn't know about it before, that's okay. But now I told you. So, you know, get on it. ColoradoPreps.com or the app is the place to be. I will have Mick Miller from Fox 31 join us tomorrow. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes literally everything work, including correcting me when I get my college and high school crossed up somehow. I, you know, I don't know, getting near the end of the week. A lot of football on the brain. Thanks to you for listening, whether it's FMHD, you went to MyLifeSports.com or made it easy on yourself and got the MyLife Sports app, too, to get everything. We'll be back in just about 22 hours. You don't have to go anywhere. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar, and this is My Life Sports.